Praise God. And welcome to the Word at My Church. I'm Pastor Tuck, and if this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And I want to encourage you this morning to share this broadcast with at least three people, because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. By hearing its word and applying it by faith, it'll change my life. So I declare right now, from this day forward, that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare, I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life may be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, Lord, we thank you today. Father, I thank you, Lord, this morning. Father, Lord, that you are the God of our lives. Father, Lord, that you take first place. Father, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you would move me aside. Lord, do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Father, Lord, I ask you to open the hearts and minds Father God, of your people, Father God, Lord, that they will be receptive, Lord, to receive, Father God, Lord, all that you pour out today. Father God, Lord, give us insight, foresight, and revelation. Give us a greater understanding, Father God, Lord, of your kingdom. Father, Lord, I know, Lord, Lord, because your word declares, Lord, anytime we can see, hear, and understand, we can be converted. Lord, so we declare, Lord, that we're going to be converted into that which we see, hear, and understand. Father God, Lord, that we would be made better. Father God, Lord, that we would be equipped to do and become all that you said that we are in your word. Lord, we bind every contrary spirit, every demonic force, anything that attempts to hinder this word from going forth. Lord, let this word come forth, Lord, unchecked, Lord, unhindered by, Father God, any attempt of the enemy, Lord, to spoil, Father God, Lord, to, to hinder, Father God, to slow down, Lord, to retard, Lord, the growth of your people. And Father God, Lord, that you would, Lord, speak through me. Father God, Lord, correct anything. Father God, Lord, that is un unright, that is not right. Father God, Lord, anything, Father God, Lord, that I have missed. Father God, Lord, that you would fill the gap. And Father God, Lord, that it would come forth, Lord, as you have downloaded it. Father God, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I'm just a vessel. And Father God, Lord, allow me to decrease, Lord, as you increase. Father God, that they would not even hear me. Father God, Lord, that they would only hear your voice. Lord, I thank you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for the fruit that is going to be produced in the earth through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Now, if you were with us on last time, then you know I told you that 2023 would be a year where God would restore the church to a greater place of influence and impact. Well, the dictionary defines the word restore several ways such as to return a person, a specific thing which was lost or which has been taken from them uh, and just unjustly detained. 
to replace or to return a person or thing to a former place or condition, to bring back or recover from lapse, degeneracy, declination, or ruin to its former state, to heal, to cure, to recover from disease, to repair, to rebuild, to revive, to resuscitate, to bring back to life, to return or bring back after absence, to renew, to reestablish after interruption, to recover or renew. But regardless of which of these particular definitions you choose, one thing that is essential to the restorative or restoration process is that we must have some concept of the original condition or state of that of which we're restoring. For example, if you're going to restore a classic car to its original condition, then you must first know what the factory specifications of that vehicle were. Otherwise, someone could sell you something that looks valuable, but upon further inspection, isn't worth anything at all. Okay, pastor, but what does that have to do with us? Well, if you recall, I asked you last time, how many of you could remember a time when the church was a pillar of strength in the community, when the man of God was respected and considered a leader and role model, when the people of God were the standard of excellence and set a tone in every environment? Well, I told you, God is going to restore the church to a place of greater impact and influence. But if we're going to experience it, we must have some concept of its original condition. So open your Bibles with me to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. And when you get there, look at verse 4. Psalm 126. And I'm going to be reading this from the Passion Translation. Here it reads, Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Here the psalmist declares, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Our former glory. Because if you don't know what that looks like, you won't release your faith for it, and you'll be willing to accept something less than what God intended for you to have. Now, but, but before we get, get into that too deep, I, 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 I want you to pay attention to what he said. He said, may streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Notice what he said, our dry hearts are drenched again. Uh, in other words, our hearts have become hardened. See, we've gotten to the place where we're no longer receiving from God. 
And see, that's an issue for us because if we're not able to receive from God, if we're no, I told you before, if you can't hear God and do what he says, we're not going to be able to be and do the things that he said that we could. So we've got to get to that place where we're now receiving what he's pouring out. And here the psalmist says, asking God, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. But we've got to be able to receive that refreshing. We've got to put ourselves in position that God can pour out on us. Until our dry hearts are drenched again. The Bible refers to the word of God as the water of the word. See, you've got to saturate yourself with the word of God. That's the stream of his refreshing flow. That will replenish that dry heart of yours. To the point that it's drenched. See, if we're going to get restored, we got to put ourselves in that right position. But he says, restore us to our former glory. And I tell you, that's what we're going to talk about, our former glory. Because if you don't know what that looks like, you won't release faith for it. And you'll be willing to accept anything. You'll be willing to accept something less than what God intended. And that's why the word is so important to this process. Go over to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. Look at verse 3. Here it says, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory. And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is it is this not in your eyes as nothing? Now, let me put this in perspective. Here it is about 70 years after the temple that Solomon built has been destroyed. And if you're not, if you, if you can't get a picture, if you can't, I know we've all read the scriptures, and if you, if you really don't have a concept of that temple that Solomon built, there, there's a theme park in Orlando called Holy Land. I, I believe it's, it's, it's run by the Trinity Broadcast Network. Uh, and I remember taking my kids there as children. And they have a, a replica of Solomon's temple. And it's only a replica. I mean, it's full scale. I mean, not, not full scale, but you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a full-size building. I'm not talking about a model. I'm talking about a, a building. And the, the, the replica, the, the building itself, when you get there, it's like the gold that or the whatever they used to paint or whatever it is, 
I mean, it's so bright that on a summer day, the sun, it's blinding just to see what it looks like. And that's just a replica. So I can only imagine what the actual temple looked like. I mean, you can see it from the highway. And here it is about 70 years after that temple had been destroyed and the children of God, it's about 19 years in their captivity. And the children of God are just going on about their business. They're living their lives with no concept of the things of God. No concern. And he speaks to them through the man of God saying, these people say the time is not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Well, God says, is it time for you and yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? He says, give careful thought to your ways, says the Lord of hosts. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the all Lord Almighty says. He says, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains, bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So they obeyed the voice of the Lord and they begin to rebuild the temple. But during this process, they begin to get discouraged because they realize that what they're building pales in comparison to what was there before. And I know that there are a lot of believers, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers who feel the same way because prior to COVID, they felt their ministries were thriving. But now in the midst of this rebuilding process, things just don't seem to measure up. The sizes of congregations are smaller. The, the, the atmosphere just doesn't seem as, as enthusiastic. The worship just doesn't seem the same. I mean, half the people are now uh, worshiping virtually. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem the same. I mean, uh, uh, it's just not like it used to be. But in verse 4, God offers some encouragement. He says, yet now... Be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Or you might want to underline that part in your Bible. He says, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. He says, according to the word I have covenanted with you when you went, when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. So you do not fear. You might want to highlight that part too, that God's spirit remains among us. He says, not only am I with you, but my spirit remains among you. See, so whether you're, at home or virtual, whether the congregation size is the same or not, 
whether you're back in the building or not, he says, I'm with you and my spirit remains among you. He says, for thus says the Lord of hosts. He says, once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. See, in Deuteronomy, God spoke to the children of Israel about the consequences of their disobedience and their refusal to heed his voice. He said that the people of nearby countries would shudder when they see their terrible troubles and still make fun of them. That they would become a byword, an object of ridicule and scorn. And that's what's happened to the church because many of us refuse to obey God. Uh, what do you mean, pastor? Uh, Jesus put it this way. You reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition, thus making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. In other words, we got comfortable. See, we wanted to do things the way we wanted to do things. See, we were more concerned about how we had service or, or the way we did church or, or, or how we wanted to worship or the things that we did. And we made the word of God of no effect. And we were unwilling to change until change was forced upon us. See, because COVID proved it had nothing to do with whether or not you were in the building. It had nothing to do with whether or not the choir was there. It had nothing to do with whether the ushers were there. See, one thing about COVID, Jesus told the woman at the well, the time was coming where God was looking for people who would worship him in spirit and in truth. He said, you say you worship on this mountain or that mountain. He said, you say you worship in this place or that place. He said, but a time is coming. And has come when God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So God said, what's going to happen when I remove the praise team, when I remove the choir, when I remove the ushers, when I remove pastors, your amen section, when I remove your shout me back, when I remove your audience, when I remove the fact that you don't have anybody to entertain, when I remove Quiet, your congregation, your entertainment, when it's just me, you, and the camera, when it's me, you, and the screen, can you just get in my word? Can you just get in my presence? He said, because I'm with you and my spirit is among you. See, but we've allowed the enemy to convince us that we're losing. And to desire the world's position, power, and resources, not recognizing that it should be the other way around. See, he wants us to think that their stuff is so nice, that their stuff is better till we end up being influenced by the world instead of realizing that the world should be influenced by us. But God said, we don't have to go after the world. The world will come after us. The New International Version puts it this way. The desired of all nations will come. 
So we won't have to covet the world's position, power, and resources. But instead, they will want what we have because God is going to restore us. Look at verse 8. He says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. See, God's going to restore the church to a place of prominence. And I'm not talking about a building because the Bible says that the God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands. See, I'm talking about the Ecclesia. Those of us who have been called out God is going to restore us to a place where we have greater influence and impact because we were called to be his change agents in the earth. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, how can you be so sure? Well, because it is a prerequisite for Jesus to return. Uh, What do you mean, Pastor? Uh, uh, Turn over to Joel. Chapter 2, Joel, chapter 2, and when you get there, look at verse 23, the book of Joel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. And here it reads, be glad then, ye children of Zion. And rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Somebody type in the comments, restoration is of the Lord. He says, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Notice what he said. My people. We carry the name of Christ. Somebody type in the comment. 
We have a reputation to uphold. Verse 27 says, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord, your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. See what God does in the life of the believer is proof to a non-believer that he exists. See, you got to recognize what God wants to do in your life is only a demonstration to the world of who he is. Look at verse 28. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Hmm. See, the Bible says all these things must happen before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Because Jesus is coming back for a church without spot, stain, or wrinkle. So the days of the weak, pathetic Christian are over. Somebody type in the comment, restore us to our former glory. Yeah, as a matter of fact, go over to Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8. And when you get to look at verse 18. Here it says, behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. See, the church was created for signs and wonders. Oh, I need you to get that in your spirit. Because God has equipped us to deal with anything on this planet. Jesus himself told us to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. And as the church, it's our job to stop Satan from running rampant in the earth. Remember, God told us through the psalmist, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. So it's time for us to show the world who we are. But in order to do so, we've got to return to our former glory. Go back to Joel chapter two. This time look at verse two. I'm sorry, verse one. Joel chapter two, 
beginning at verse 1. Here he says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. I believe I need to read that again. He says, a people come great and strong, the likes of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. See, we've got to realize how special we really are. God calls us a great and strong people, the likes of whom there has never been or will ever be after us. And that's who we were created to be. As a matter of fact, he declared through the psalmist that we are gods, children of the most high. But if we don't have a proper image of who we're supposed to be, we will die like mere men. And that's why Paul reminds us in the Ephesian letter to be imitators of God. He says, copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. See, as believers, we're supposed to imitate God because we were created in his image and likeness. So we should be a walking demonstration of who God is in the earth. Somebody type in the comments, Lord, do it now. See, because the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, notice it's not waiting for the children of God. Because children can be spoiled, selfish, and immature. But sons are the mature offspring that display the father's characteristics and sons have a right to inherit. The Bible calls us heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Well, go over to Galatians chapter four. Oh, I'm trying to help you get this in your spirit today. See, because if we're going to experience restoration, we've got to first know what our original condition is. Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, he says, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. Paul says, now what I mean is that as long as the inheritor 
The heir is a child and underage. He does not differ from a slave, although he is the master of the estate. See, we are no longer slaves, but masters of the entire estate. The Bible says that the heavens are the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. He says he gave us the entire earth. So we are masters of this place. And Jesus came to restore us to our rightful place, to return us to our former glory. See, when God created us, he created us to operate. It says in his image and his likeness. So we would look like him and operate like him. And yes, we know that Adam and Eve fell. And so we upheld in our, uh, a fallen state. But Jesus came to restore us to our former glory. So that we could operate according to kingdom standards. Well, go over to Philippians chapter 3. So we can get an understanding of what that means. See, because for years we've been operating beneath our privilege. We've been operating beneath our potential. But God says he's about to restore us to a place of greater influence and impact. Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 20. In the Amplified verse, he says, but we are citizens of the state, commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven, and from it we also we earnestly, patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as Savior. Jesus said the kingdom of God is available. And guess what? It is self-contained. See, when we possess the kingdom, we have the power, wisdom, and provision to do whatever God instructs us to do. And that's why the church is supposed to be independent of the world system. What do you mean, pastor? We don't have to beg them for anything. I told you, we don't have to covet their position, their power, their resources. They're supposed to be looking to us. But in order to do so, we must destroy this distorted image that we're losing. That things are not going to get any better. That we're inferior. Let me help y'all see this. I remember when we first birthed ministry, 
when I first stepped out in birth ministry and God spoke to me and God gave me the vision for our ministry and God said that we were going to have a school. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, we got to get to the point. We've got a thousand uh, partners before we can launch a school. And God said, no, you're going to do it now. And when I started our school, we had four kids. Not a preschool, not a daycare, a K through 12 Christian Academy with four kids. And people were like, you crazy. And not only did we launch a school, God told me he wanted me to make the tuition so that believers could afford it. So I made the tuition the price of daycare because I recognized that so many believers did not recognize the value of a Christian education. I wanted to make it so that they would not have to strain even to make a value decision. But because we still had a distorted image of thinking that what the world had was better, very few people took advantage of it. People thought I was crazy. They thought I was doing my children a disservice. People who were Christians who worked in the public education system, when I pulled my kids out of there, thought I was crazy. But both of my daughters graduated with associate's degrees the week before they got their high school diplomas from our Christian Academy and received full engineering scholarships to college. My oldest daughter got her engineering degree in three years instead of four and is now in a graduate school. So if we're going to get to the place where we're supposed to be, we've got to destroy this distorted image that the church is beneath the world, that we're inferior, that we're losing, that things are not going to get any better, and that God never intended for us to have anything. Oh, can I help you? Go over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Here he says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, 
because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Somebody type in the comments, the one who lives in me is greater than my adversary. Now I need you to take a moment to get that in your spirit. The one who lives in you is greater than your adversary. Remember God told them when they were building the temple and they were looking at what they saw and they felt discouraged. God said, remember I am with you and my spirit dwells among you. See his strength is greater. His power is greater. His wisdom is greater. His resources are greater. So there's no way we can be inferior. There's no way we can fail. And that's why Paul says we can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. Go over to John chapter 15. Oh, I pray I'm blessing somebody today. See, if you're going to be restored, you've got to understand our original state, our former glory. You got to know what you're believing God to be restored to. See, because we've become a shell of ourselves. John 15, look at verse 16. Here he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. See, he chose us for a purpose and he would never give us an assignment without equipping us for it. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised he would take us to another level. Uh, what do you mean, pastor? Well, go back to John 14, the chapter right before. And look at what he said. John 14, look at verse 12. Here he says, most assured I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. So we should have a greater impact and influence than Jesus had. What? That's exactly what I said. We should have a greater influence and impact than Jesus had. See, because he told us that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. See, if you recall, Jesus spread the gospel to a country. But we have an assignment to take it to the world. 
So we're supposed to have a greater impact and influence than he had. That's what he expects. Somebody say, do it now, Lord. Restore us to our former glory. See, I don't know how we got to this place of being weak, mealy mouth, thinking that we're not supposed to be winning. Because Jesus himself said, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He said, freely you have received, freely give. And these signs which will follow those that believe in my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And Paul reminds us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us. Well, the Bible tells us that when the early church received the Holy Spirit, God added to their number daily. So if we're going to be restored to our former glory, we should be doing the same great works that they did. Stopping storms, raising the dead, casting out devils, laying the hands on the sick and expecting them to recover. But if we are going to experience it, we must have a concept of what our original condition was. We must know who God created us to be. We must know that we were never meant to be some pathetic individuals, but instead the glorious sons and daughters of God. See, we've got to understand that this is what God had in mind for us. This has always been his plan for us. And that this is what has to take place before Jesus returns. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. See, we got to recognize that that's what's supposed to be happening in these last days. In the preparing for the return of our Lord and Savior. And this is time for us to be restored. So our cry should be simply, do it now, Lord. Restore us to our former glory. May the streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Pour it out, God. Saturate us with your presence. Saturate us with your word. 
but restore us to our former glory. That we may have the greater influence and impact that you intended for us to have. Because we know that the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And God expects us to be his change agents. But if we're going to get there, we've got to have some idea of what that looks like. We've got to destroy this distorted image that this status quo, this I'm just going to see if I can get me a word to get me through the week. That was never meant to be who we are. That, oh, I can't worship God because, you know, we're not in the building. Oh, you know, it's not the same. God said, look, this was never about anybody but me and you. You come into my presence. You get what I got for you. And then once I pour it in you, you go pour it out. However that takes place, that's what needs to happen. He said, because I'm with you and my spirit dwells among you. Restore us, Lord. Do it now. If you're listening to this message today, you're like, I need a refreshing. I need a restoring. But I've never known who Christ is. Well, you're in the right place today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. Jesus came to give up his life so that you could be a part of his family. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God never wanted you to die. He wanted you to be a part of this world-changing family. And if you desire that today, all you got to do is pray this prayer with me. Precious God, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe you love me enough to give up your son. And I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my every sin. And I give him permission to make my every decision. I want to make him my Lord. Be my father. Make me your child. Teach me how to live for you. If you've prayed that prayer, you're now a part of the body of Christ, a family of believers, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. The next step in your journey is to find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. And if you want to be a part of the My Church family, we would love to have you. So all you have to do is go to our website, www my lovemychurch.org and click contact us fill out a connection card 
and one of our ministers will contact you and give you some information about the next steps. We would love to help you in that journey. We broadcast every Sunday morning at 12.15, Thursday evenings at 7.30. We're going to have some great new things on the horizon coming up. Our broadcast schedules are going to change, but we have all kinds of ministries available. We have our women's ministry called Women of Worth, where Pastor Stephanie meets with our women and teaches our women about women's issues. We have a great ministry called The Man Cave, where myself, my spiritual son, Corey Coleman, where we talk about men's issues. We have a great marriage ministry called Marriage Shear Training. And all of those ministries we're going to have available on all of these, all of our platforms that we broadcast on. And we want you to be a part of all of those. We want you to have all that information. And if you desire information about any of those, all you have to do is go, click contact us, send a connection card. And somebody will get you all that information. We also have a Zoom Bible study that we do with all of our partners. But all you have to do is send us a connection card. Send us a message. Let us know. You want to be a part of this family. And somebody will reach out to you. Secondly, if you've been blessed by this message and you want to help us continue to spread the gospel all around and do the the work that God's given us to do, click the donate button, sow a financial seed. You can use cash app, dollar sign, my church lynchburg, paypal.me forward slash my church lynchburg, or you can use the Givelify app. But no matter how you desire to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to spread the gospel all around the world and do what God's called us to do. But we appreciate you helping us do that. And your seeds help us continue to make sure that we do exactly what God's called us to do, and that's reach and preach the gospel around the world. Thirdly, we ask you, share this message with somebody you know who needs it, because you know somebody who needs this message. But in any event, make sure that you continue to watch the word at my church. Come back, spend some time with us again on next time. We love you. God bless you. I'm Pastor Tuck. And see you again on next time. Stay tuned for our announcements. Pastor Stephanie for Women Are Worth every first and third Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on Facebook Live.
Join Pastor Tuck in the Man Cave every second and fourth Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on Facebook Live. Before the pandemic, our relationship was already in trouble. It's like we argue about everything. I mean, he comes home and he sits in the driveway, in the car, instead of coming into the house with me and his son. See, she doesn't trust me. And she talks about me to her girlfriends. Like she speaks so loudly like she wants me to hear. What am I supposed to do with that? Why do you have to get out of the bed at 11.20 at night to return a text? You see? She doesn't even know how to talk to me. And he refuses to talk to me. Like the first couple weeks of quarantine, together in the house all day and all night, just confirmed it's me. I can't do this anymore. You know what? I'm done. I think I'm done. Maybe we need to get some help. I think we need to talk to somebody. Marriages are under attack. And if you or someone you know needs help, then join Pastors Lewis and Stephanie Tucker for My Church Marriage Seer Training. Every fifth Thursday at 7.30 p.m., Pastors Lewis and Stephanie Tucker have designed a course to help your marriage to not just survive, but to thrive. Get the tools necessary for a successful biblical marriage. You can enjoy this course live on Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV via the BoxCast channel or on Facebook and YouTube Live. Just search My Church Lynchburg. Why not make an investment into your marriage that will impact generations? My Church Lynchburg Marriage Seer Training every fifth Thursday at 7.30 p.m. You can now watch the My Church broadcast on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV and Apple TV. Simply download the BoxCast channel and look for the My Church icon. Or catch the word on the go with the word at My Church Podcast. Now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. Tune in iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher podcast platforms. Just search for My Church Lynchburg. Now there's no excuse to go without the word. And for those of you with Alexa enabled devices, simply enable the My Church Lynchburg skill in the Alexa app. Then say Alexa, open My Church Lynchburg and sit back and enjoy the word.